0: Hello and welcome to the Mighty 90s Movie and TV Podcast. I'm Dom. And I'm Simon. And on this episode we're diving into... Selfie Pride! So welcome to the Mighty 90s Movie and TV Podcast where it's always 10.30 at night so it's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard Move upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is Celtic Pride. So, before we go into all of the details of the entire film, Simon, what do you remember about Celtic Pride? Ah,
1: I'm so glad you asked. I remember everything about Celtic Pride.
0: Yay!
1: Do you know why? Why? Because it is on my cleaning playlist. <laughs> I knew why. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this film religiously as a kid. So I used to go to the video store with my dad. I was drawn to whatever the cover art was on the box and whoever was was in the film. And this was perfect bait for me because it had in three people that I already knew. It had Damon Waynes that I knew from Blank Man. It had Daniel Stern who I knew from Home Alone. And then of course it had Dan Aykroyd who I knew from Ghostbusters. And then throw basketball into the mix, and I was fully into that. So I actually remember watching this with my dad, and I remember him finding it slightly funny, which meant if he found it slightly funny, I would have thought it was hilarious. (laughs) I want to hear about what you remember about Celtic Pride.
0: So I remember watching this probably once, maybe twice, when we were younger at yours. Because you would have said, let's watch this film, it's brilliant, whatever, I really like it. It's very funny, it's got all these people in it. And I would have had the same association to those people that you said so uh, I still do so Home Alone Ghostbusters all of those bits My Girl oh that's actually the link between the two actors isn't it they both work with Macaulay Culkin in different films Mm. so Dan Aykroyd worked with Macaulay Culkin and My Girl and and Daniel Stern was in Home Alone so that's the connection between those two there you go nice little side note for you so I I remembered watching it I remembered you really liking Damon Wayans as well when we were younger so there was a lot of stuff that he was in around that time because he was in Bulletproof as well, the set. I think it's the same year that we ended up, and we ended up watching that as well. So Bruce Willis in
1: it. You're thinking of Last Boy Scout. with oh, yeah. Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis. But then he me. was in Bulletproof with Damon Wayans and Adam Sandler. Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah. So that know oh, Bulletproof is the same year. No, I get mixed up. But and I just remember you really liking him, and me thinking maybe this would be really good then. And I actually did enjoy. I remember enjoying it. And when I watched it again most recently, I did enjoy it. I thought, actually, it's quite an easy film, isn't it? You could just leave it on and do your house cleaning and stuff. It's it's one of those films. I think for me, anyway, it's not one that I would be massively engrossed in and think I need to fully concentrate on this film. I also think that's part of the problem in that I didn't fully concentrate on the film the whole time because I was thinking there's not a massive amount happening. But a lot of the dialogue is quite, you know, it's very funny and quite, it was almost like the main feature of the film, really other than obviously the basketball and the kidnap, which we'll get to. like the, the things that they're saying to each other and their memories of the basketball team and stuff like that is is what's important to them. And you, you kind of get a really good sense of that. And it, they make it really fun, and it is quite fun, and it's very silly. And silliness is, is a good thing for me. I like silliness, so it is, it's a good film. It's a very heavy dialogue film, especially for, considering
1: we were watching it when we were quite young, this would probably be one of the first films that I would have watched anyway that would have been fully based within that. So for it to hold my interest, I guess, at an early age is good. Before moving on to other films like Reservoir Dogs, which is a weird comparison to make, but that being like a heavily dialogue-based film and sort of set in one place, because besides the movie being the two basketball games at the beginning and at the end most of it's just set within that apartment in the middle yeah it's actually quite a short film
0: yeah it's not not long at all okay so let's let's talk a little bit about the facts so i actually couldn't find a budget for the film
1: what were you trying to say there was no
0: budget (laughs) i I couldn't find how much they'd spent to make this film which i thought was quite surprising because i thought these sorts of films they do I had exactly the same thing with Smart House because you know we talked about it being a Disney production, straight for Disney Channel, Disney film for TV, no budgetary information because it's Disney and it's like, almost felt like it was behind closed doors sort of thing. I couldn't find anything. I don't know if that was just me being a bit simple, but I could find everything else, like how much they made from the film and like what its scores and who wrote it directed it, where they're from, all of that. I just couldn't find out how much they were given to spend.
1: I'm guessing it couldn't have cost that much because, besides the, the cost, like the actual filming, there's like no special effects or any particularly complex setups or anything like that.
0: So, remember last week we talked about saving Private Ryan, didn't we? And we discussed that they had 70 million to spend mm-hmm. to make the film. I think a lot of that went on the, the beginning scene. And do you remember how much they made out of it? It's like four hundred and something, wasn't it? It's like million. <laughs> Basically four, yeah. So let's let's call it four hundred million. It was over that, but let's call it four hundred million. So Celtic Pride made less than ten million dollars. But you know what? Ten of them dollars was from me. Well, there you go. I <laughs> <laughs> can have that. So
1: it, <laughs> <laughs> don't spend it all at once. It, that
0: went straight into Dan Ackroy's pocket. So it actually made nine million two hundred twenty-five thousand give or take so it didn't actually get to the higher end of nine million but uh, if you look at films these days that's that's actually not a lot it's not making a lot considering it's okay it's a very different type of film and very and not like oscar award-winning film but you would have thought oh the people in it it would have made more money but it kind of feels like if you just look at the financials it's a bit of a flop don't look, you, you you just, look at me like you're, you're a I feel disappointed barber. Like, I'm like, like, I'm ruining your childhood. <laughs> like, the smart house ruins your childhood. You didn't ruin my childhood. You agreed with me. You <laughs> knew it was good. I did, yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. Have you been tempted to watch Smart House again?
0: I have thought about it,
1: just to see if I could, you know, learn anything new from it. So it's a learning experience. Absolutely.
0: Which we discussed.
1: Shall I give you the DVD to go home with tonight?
0: You said...
1: About digital copy. You don't want the DVD, you want a digital copy. But only
0: because it's a particular zone, isn't it? It'll only work on an American DVD player. That's right. I don't have one of those. I can airdrop it to you in a minute if you want. We'll discuss that after. Um, (laughs) Anyway, moving back to Celtic Pride. 1996. April, actually, it was released. IMDb score. Do you want to have a guess? Do you know?
1: I don't know. I'd guess it's probably like 5.4 or something.
0: Oh, it's 5.3. Well done. Rotten tomatoes score. I think you'll be surprised by this. Rotten tomatoes is always like
1: higher or lower than I would expect. And so if Saving Private Ryan got like ninety-three percent, I'd say that Celtic Pride probably gets like eight percent or something.
0: Again, very close. It got nine percent. <laughs> you were you just good at this game. I mean like probably rubbish at this game. So the writer was a guy called Jard Apatow. Uh well there's two actually Jard Apatow and Colin Quinn.
1: Jard Apatow is super famous, right? Super. He does didn't he doesn't he do all of like Forty Year Old Virgin? He did. He, it's like those sorts of films. Yeah,
0: so he's made loads of those. I think he was he's produced a lot of them as well. Saturday Night Live, he's done all of that. So And stand up comedy and stuff. So he's quite. He's big. He's a big name. Is he the guy that. He's married to Leslie Mann? Maybe. I don't
1: you know. know. You, have you seen The Cable Guy? Yeah. You know the woman in The Cable Guy? Yeah. That's Leslie Mann. Ah, uh, okay. And she is in a lot of the films that Judd Apatow has done. So I think he did Funny People, you know, with Adam Sandler and and she's in that yeah Um, and Knocked Up I think he did is it Knocked Up and he did the sequel like going on 40 or now we're 40 or something like that and Leslie Mann's
0: in that again so yeah he's involved in, in quite a lot of big films Cable Guy
1: So this is actually one of his earlier credits then. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's
0: around that time. So same year as Cable Guy.
1: So if we didn't have Selwick Pride, we wouldn't have 40-Year-Old Virgin, Cable Guy, all these other big films. So actually, what you could say is Selwick Pride dawned a new era of comedy. And if it wasn't for Selwick Pride, we would be in a less funny world.
0: If you want to believe that,
1: no, no, no. These, these are facts I'm telling
0: you right now. We're reading that these films were made. We're not reading that Celtic Pride was an influence in any of them. Don't look at me with that expression. He made $10 million. He made less than $10 million. Or well, the film did. He made less than $10 million. <laughs> ten of them. He barely paid the crew for that. <laughs> the catering bill was more than that.
1: People got to eat.
0: Well, yeah, but they can't make any other films off of that money. Send Let's not a dwell little. on that. Let's not dwell on that. Okay. Because I think, I think maybe you're a bit too emotionally attached to these things. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> anyway, moving back to the, so the two writers, uh, quite interestingly. So I so, said, okay, so the two writers, um, like like I said, Judd Apatow and Colin Quinn. Not either of them are from Boston. They're both from New York. So I tried to look up to see if there was any reason why they made a film about. Boston Celtics. I couldn't find anything other than them talking about this film about essentially like crazed fans that love a team and know everything about them. So I was like, oh, OK. And then I thought, well, maybe they wrote it with a director in mind and that director might have a connection to them. But the director is also from New York, I think,
1: as well. I guess New York's not too far from Boston. What, who was the director?
0: Tom DeCerico? DeCerico? Sergio? I'm really, really sorry that I can't pronounce his name properly. What's he done? So, originally, he, well, he was supposed to be the original director of Ace Ventura and Itch Calls, but when they started filming, he was fired. And the guy that wrote Ace Ventura then directed it. Okay. And, Do and, we and know to, why he to was go-ball. fired? Again, information that I couldn't find out. So I think, oh, I've got all this dirt <laughs> that I can spread about these people. Do
1: you know why? Because Celtic Pride is the world's best kept secret. <laughs>
0: So let's talk about the cast i think the cast is obviously key in this film we know that it wasn't filmed in boston but it's heavily focused and centralized on boston but on obviously a major basketball team boston celtics so the cast that's picked so we have Damon wayans who plays big time basketball player lewis scott and is meant to be like parodied isn't quite the right word but based on michael jordan and how famous michael jordan was at the time And how he was on every advert, and there's even a clip in the film, isn't there, where he's like, I bet I can find a a channel with you on it, like, if I just keep flicking through and we'll come to that. Selling them wieners! (laughs) It's Oscar Mayer wieners, isn't it, that he's on on the advert for? And then we've got Dan Aykroyd in the the film, who plays Jimmy, who's a plumber. Jimmy Flaherty. Jimmy Flaherty. From Flaherty Plumbing. Who is a plumber, and uh, the beginning right at the beginning when he's in someone's house the, you make an immediate assumption that, and you already know that it's not his house because he's in his work gear it's kind of very Ghostbusters-esque kind of setup because he's got like a grey like boiler suit on with like loads of like equipment and stuff but for plumbing and he's just sitting there, he's got a couple of beers around him he's got like crisps or popcorn or something like that and he's watching an ice hockey match and he's getting really involved and then it, it's like a really big posh mansion house and the owner walks in I was like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, oh, just watching the game kind of thing. And he's like, have you fixed my toilet? And he's like, oh, you need to go. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, so I'll, I'll sort your toilet out. And all he cares about is sport. He's, he doesn't care about that he's just ruined this guy's day by sitting in his chair, drinking his beer, eating his food and watching stuff on his TV. Uh, he only cares about the scores for the hockey game. So even when he's like half over bumming, he phones someone and says, "Have you got the game on? Can you tell me what's what's going on?" So I thought that, that was quite quite well, a good scene. That. That's actually all right. I thought, well, actually, you know, it's quite a good funny start. It's a bit silly. Properly begins with Daniel Stern, so he plays Mike, who is a he's a school PE teacher or gym teacher. The way the film starts is a lot of like shouting. It's almost like military. This is where you're going to be, and this is how we're going to do it. We're. He's
1: explaining a basketball play,
0: yes. and it's quite complicated. So it's how, how he wants the, the team to execute this play. You know, this is going to get them to win the game and stuff like that. And then you realise they're all, like, six-year-olds, and they're tiny. Well, he says, <laughs> questions, and they put
1: their hand up, and then in unison, which is very unnatural, they say, can we please go on the trampoline, Mr O'Hara?
0: <laughs> Are there any questions? What? Can we go on the trampoline, Mr. O'Hara? Yeah. No flips on the trampoline.
1: You have your friend Billy Williams to thank for that. He had to sue the school after hurting his neck, ruining it for everyone. The look this kid gives, who has a mullet, he just sort of glares at him as he's walking, like, I'm gonna sue you now. <laughs> he makes the kid cry because. The kid comes up and
0: says, Are you all right, Mr. O'Hare? You look worried. Well, Josh, I am a little worried. My Celtics are playing a very important basketball game tonight. and I really want them to win. It's like you say, the most important thing is that they try their hardest and they have fun. No. No. The most important thing is that they win. So let, let, let's talk about his wife then. So his wife's walked in. He's talked about the play-by-play that he wants. He's then upset pretty much every child in the room. Has then sent them to, to play on the trampoline. Has let that one kid cut the cue. And his wife walks in. And she seems to be wearing all white. So I'm assuming she's some sort of nurse.
1: Yeah, she's wearing light colours. But I think she's wearing a pantsuit of some sort. She's sort of like semi-formal. And she sort of comes in, gives him a kiss. And he's like, oh, hey, Carol. And she says something like, oh... You know, do you have a minute? Yeah, sure. Goes to his little office and he just starts smoking a cigarette out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> she basically starts to go into saying, I think you're obsessed with sports. She says, I've been speaking to my therapist. We think you, you're obsessed with sports. We think that this comes from the fact that Your dream died. You wanted to be a basketball player, but you never made it. And then she's saying that she has a divorce papers. She saved him from last time. She's going to leave him. She doesn't want her life to be run by the Boston Celtics. And he's like, well, how do you think I feel? And she walks out. He just starts screaming at her in front of all of the kids and basically saying, I love the Celtics. (laughs) Okay, I said it. I'm not ashamed of it. I love the Celtics, <laughs> and then points to the kids on the trampoline and says, "Bounce!" <laughs> and then we get just as good. as Smart House soundtrack comes in of dun dun dun
0: I don't think I need to do anything. I think you need to just keep going. I love the Celtics! Okay, I said it! I am not ashamed! So we go straight in from like an angry opening to like a an advert isn't it it's essentially a, a commercial for nike nike uh which is supposed to be the or well, it's the introduction of of scott lewis scott who is playing emulating that kind of michael jordan type role because nice. um, he was he was the biggest name in the world at the time While, you know in terms of sport and athletes and stuff like that he was huge hey in 96
1: this is the complete like peak of michael jordan night of talking this is the back-to-back nba finals it... chicago Bulls, the glory era
0: so someone who knows like basically nothing about basketball which is me no but, like chicago Bulls were massive because of michael jordan not the other way around which is like not always heard of in terms of like if you look at football teams over here, you think these players are massive because they play for Liverpool or they play for Man City or something like that. So they're they're paid a lot of money and stuff like that because of that. It just it felt like everybody had heard of Michael Jordan. I'd heard of Michael Jordan and like what he'd done and did and stuff like that. And I used to have a cap. And a, I think even a T-shirt with the Chicago Bulls logo on, because that's how much of a massive brand they became because of him. Because he
1: is his own brand. Like he is what they like call a franchise player. You can build a franchise off of his whole Jordan range. Like I'm pretty sure he's like a billionaire at this point. It must be. Uh, I actually was watching a video of Michael Jordan just yesterday because he spoke at Kobe's funeral. Rest in peace. It was really beautiful speech that he did, which is in the stable centre where the where the Lakers play. There's a few players across sports that they are almost bigger than the team. Like David Beckham was basically like that, wasn't he? Apart from, I guess, in his heyday when he was playing for Man United, he also was amongst generation of, of players that sort of made that club as well. You could sort of say the same about LeBron James, that whatever team is at, he brings more excitement and, and viewership to it.
0: LeBron James... That's the thing. That's the thing that went around. you got to YouTube that now. LeBron James. LeBron James. <laughs> and that became the LeBron James thing. It became like massive for ages with little gifs and little clips and vines and stuff And for ages. Long time. Legend. That kid's a legend now.
1: If you say you know more about that kid than you do about LeBron James, I know more
0: about that kid than I do about Celtic Pride.
1: <laughs> right, so we move into the Nike advert. We've got Lewis Scott walking through. I am not a hero. A hero fights for injustice. Something, something. I am not a hero. And It's all very overdramatic and and what you expect from that sort of '90s Nike sports advert. My favourite line at the end is, "I'm not gonna raise your kids. I don't even like kids. <laughs> don't want to raise your kids. I don't even like kids." Nike if that was an advert that was on TV now it would be I would love it I don't even like kids
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it definitely should be an advert on TV now maybe we should make it and tribute you can be him I'm not a hero because you've got all the basketball gear you've probably got a ball I do so we've got all the stuff
1: okay we need a camera what are you going to do what's your part in this I'll film it
0: Okay, I'll direct you
1: Could be to advertise the podcast (laughs) Why not Okay if you would like us to make our own rendition Of that advert Then please let us know by visiting TheMighty90s.com I am not
0: a hero (laughs) (laughs) So post advert And it goes straight to Jimmy In the geezer's house
1: Yeah watching the Bruins game I'm just having a little ski here (laughs) Jimmy locking up the van outside of Doyle's, which is like a bar where he goes to meet Mike to end there having ribs. And this is where the police officer comes over.
0: I love the police officer in the film. Kevin O'Grady is the the name of the police officer. Yeah. Uh, Played by Paul Guilfoyle. Let's say that. And I think he is actually very funny I, re- I really like him in it oh, when he introduce- like comes to the table to meet them there's like a beer already waiting at the table for him so they've got one each and then there's one waiting you're like ooh who's that for and this copper arrives and says like sir blah blah, 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 blah whatever he's just saying then. ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> to, to each of them does he say ma'am to Jimmy to Jimmy you, yeah yeah
1: And then he says something like, shouldn't you be planting evidence around this all the time? Yeah. I've already done that. (laughs) So he's he's finished
0: planting evidence. He's now at the pub. (laughs) Excellent.
1: This is the introduction that Utah is who they're playing against, the Utah Jazz. The police officer says something like, the Celts are gonna hand Utah their, their ass on Sunday or something like that. They start talking about. I think Mike says something about oh I don't know about Lewis Scott if he gets hot then we'll be in trouble. Yeah. The police officer Kevin, you know, basically sort of disregarding what he said. Jimmy says, don't forget, this man led Boston. This is high school yeah, led the Boston high school in rebounds and assists. Something something like that. Where you got. Pinned in a wrestling match by a blind guy in 8.2
0: seconds. (laughs) I like the Dan Aykroyd, like, so Jimmy's memory of sports and that he can blurt out in this year, at this point in this game, this player scored and so on and so on. And that strangely really reminded me of my uncle. So my uncle is a massive football fan, but mainly a West Ham fan. And he... Can tell you every game he's ever been to, who scored in those games, what the final scores were, and like where the team would have ended in the league that year, and so on and so forth. And so that sort of really reminded me of him. So it's quite strange in a weird way that I felt like a, a kind of new Jimmy just from that. And he was kind of like, I can blurt out absolutely anything because I will retain facts about you and your life. Because he does that with me as well, he'll remember like the most insignificant details about things that we've done that no one would ever remember and he will bring it up and it was, I thought it was quite a good little touch and a little, like, little reminder of, of my uncle so I thought that was nice
1: Well it's a good balance in the relationship between Jimmy and Mike that Mike com- is coming at it from the point that he was an athlete and this was his dream and he wanted to be a professional and be part of it where it sounds like Jimmy was never particularly good at sports but has always been a massive fan of it all so they sort of meet in the middle by both them being obsessed with sports, but I guess having different backgrounds that got them to that point. Kevin, the police officer, then asks if barman can turn up the TV a bit louder, and this is where we get an interview with Lewis Scott, Damon Wayne's, and he's at a press conference, and he's basically being a bit obnoxious and bratty about he missed a practice. Oh, I'm sorry, that's because... I'm tired from carrying this team this whole year and basically, you know, just being like a douchebag. Mike and Kevin and Jimmy are talking about the fact that he got fined 10 grand, or 10 grand, that's nothing, he's got money he hasn't even looked at yet, and then we move to first game.
0: Just back to that though, I didn't remember any of that, so I remembered from watching it at yours, like in the 90s, so... a long time ago now I remember watching the film but I don't remember him being Lewis Scott that is I don't remember him being that much of a like really arrogant and I I must have just completely missed all of that because I remember Jimmy and Mike and how they were and how obsessed they were with basketball and particularly this one team and how they wanted them to win because I remember we both support the same football team and we would talk about them and be quite like oh they don't ever win and stuff like that and we'd we'd go and play football and like pretend we're their players and just silly things like that so i think i focused so much more on that i never ever realized how arrogant he was and obviously he's playing that but how arrogant he was how difficult he was how he basically just comes out and says i'm better than everyone so i thought that that so that was like a new aspect for me even though i'd seen the film before um something i'd never really ever paid attention to Maybe
1: we forget that Lewis Scott is so arrogant and obnoxious, etc. Because we warm up to him quite quickly. Like, when we get to the bar scene, we're kind of already on his side a little bit. When I think he's just lost in his own ego, really, isn't he?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and he's he is the biggest name in the world at that time, isn't he? That's how he's portraying this character. It, he, everything is going his way and he can turn around. He gets all the girls. He's got all the money. Every, every guy wants to be him every girl wants to be with him that's kind of how it's played isn't it and i think that he's exactly like you said he's almost too big for his boots but you almost start to feel for him a little bit because he's you know maybe he's actually like a little bit lonely because everyone thinks he is just a bit of a tosser um, <laughs> <laughs> well, But he's got he's got all these women around him so you think how could he ever be lonely he's like surrounded by all these people but they're just entourage. really they're not They're not there for anything other than his fame. like like, leeching off of that, aren't they?
1: Well, we move to the game, and do you know much about basketball in terms of, like, how the finals work, that they play best out of seven? No. So, when it gets to the playoffs, at each stage, they play the same team seven times in a row. Like, not in a row, but, you know, a couple days in between each game. So, how... And then it's best of seven, so if you Especially won, if, four, if you, you won, won if you won four in a row, then it's over. But you can push it to the seventh game. So in, in this example,
0: you win three, they win three, and then it's down to the last game.
1: Yeah, exactly. So in this scenario, the first game that they're going to is the sixth game, but in the Celtics' favor. So if they won this game, then they would finish it and they would be the champions. If they lose the game to Utah, then that would make it three three. And then they'd go for the final game, which is Game 7. That's where it's someone will win at the end. Yeah, there has to be a winner. Exactly. So we we know that this is Game 6. And then this is where we see Mike and Jimmy walking into the Boston Garden. And they have all of these rituals of... They know everyone. They know the hot dog vendor and the guy with the foam finger. And they're like, yeah, we able to get this. Ooh, program, we get that. And then they get down on their knees and... Sort of kiss their hands and just hold the side of the uh, of the door frame.
0: And all the people walking past them, as yeah, well, like pushing past, like, oh, this is normal. We don't care. Get out of our way, sort of thing. And yeah. they just carry on, like, like this is normal for
1: them. They're entering like their church. Yeah. And I remember loving all of this stuff as a kid. And then they sit down. They know everybody around them. And then they're sat next to this elderly couple that have like the old school sort of Irish hats on and whatever. The, the guy's like, I spent the whole morning on the bowl. And Mike's like, that's always a good sign. And they are sort of all got all these superstitions and whatever. And then Susie, the hot dog girl, comes over to Jimmy. And she says that she has toasted the, the hot dog bun at home. And he questions how she was able to do that. There's no toaster here. And she says, I did it on my curling iron. My question is, how does he know that they don't have a toaster? To toast the bun.
0: <laughs> I have no idea. I didn't even really consider that. She's like hand-delivered this hot dog. How do they make the hot dogs? Why would you have? Why would you have apparatus to make hot dogs but not to toast the buns? Apparatus. You know what I mean? Oh, I like that. <laughs>
1: reminds me of like science. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your apparatus. <laughs> like your hypothesis. Mike says to Jimmy, "Shall we begin?" Indeed, sir. And then he stands up and just starts hurling abuse at the players for the Utah.
0: Back to the superstition bit as well. I, I, I quite like that. I liked all the... We're entering... Like you said, we're entering out like there. They're entering their church. And they're very superstitious. So everyone they talk to and everything they do is obviously routine. We have to do that. We have to do it this way because this will allow us to win. Uh, which is obviously very important. And there's the whole Boston Irish thing, isn't there? So they've the luck of the Irish and all of that and that comes into it quite a lot and this do we get to the seat changing at this point
1: yeah so that's uh, so the, they say it's an even
0: game because yeah. it's like it's the sit game yeah so they realise that the seats that they sit in depending on whether it's an odd or even game or which one's being played at the time they sit in alternate seats so they realise and then they swap um, so I think as you look at them Jimmy's originally on the left and Mark on the right and then they swap so that then Jimmy is is on the left talking to the old couple, and um, I think the old guy goes, "Well, that was a close one," you know, because they're all in on it. Everyone's involved in <laughs> in the whole superstition, and then it just escalates from there, doesn't it? So the more the game goes on, so the game is about to start. You know, the, the players have got to come out, and then, like you said, the abuse. <laughs> starts Go from... home, jazz. <laughs> Literally starts from the get-go. Jazz music sucks. <laughs> and then.
1: Like Mike stood up, saying all of this, and as he says, he's like, "Jazz music sucks," and then Jimmy would be like, "Sucks." But he's like saying it as he's sat down. We get Lewis Scott coming out, and he looks up and he sees all of the banners of all of the championships that the Celtics have won, and we're sort of assuming that he has carried this team. Like actually, what he said earlier is actually true. He has carried the team through the season because we sort of learn later that there aren't really that many good players around him, he sort of makes them good by being a better player later in the film and then Mike actually gets Lewis's attention and actually says something directly to him where he says Manuk Bow's banging your mom." and then Jimmy's like Manuk Bow,
0: your mom." <laughs> yeah it's like the uh, younger brother standing behind him going yeah
1: <laughs> and then he gets like the big one where he's like you guys suck so bad Nike should take your shoes away and then everyone like loves that
0: one while jim well, jimmy even goes oh, i like that and uh, he went, yeah i thought of it last night <laughs> it's
1: like yeah pre-writing these insults Insult. and then the game starts and something that i always really liked is the game starts they've got like really good seats right on the halfway line and then jimmy pulls out his portable tv to watch the game
0: <laughs> <laughs> i love that I actually i actually really like that bit when he pulled that out thinking mean, it's right in front of him but it, you want to hear the commentary. And what's been talked about, and um, like the analysis of the professionals, I actually really like that bit. Well, that's something that you kind of miss when you go to
1: live sports games, is sometimes you want to hear the trivia and the stats and all of that stuff. Yeah,
0: um, people take radios and stuff into the stadiums and that all the time, don't they, to, to listen to it as, they, as it's played. So uh, it's just perfect 90s, these little TVs are like, Really accessible and he's got the massive aerial and he like flicks it out and he's like TV to his face basically like most people would be with their phones nowadays um, he's TV to his face he's watching it and like it's all going on literally right in front of him but he wants to watch it on his little TV because he likes his little commentary and stuff like that I think that's brilliant I like that good touch so the game begins
1: and Celtics start to dominate and Lewis Scott can't really find his rhythm we sort of get montages or, of the basketball but also set to this great 90s like music score and then it moves up to half time and Mike and Jimmy sit down like they're gonna do it they're actually gonna do it they're gonna they're gonna win this game and then someone comes from behind them and sort of puts his sort of arms over them in sort of a friendly manner and he's like they never want it they never will ha <laughs> like Chris McCarthy, I haven't seen you since since Buckner had that little mishap, which is like a baseball player, and they basically refer to him as like the bad luck guy. He's the jinx. And he says, i just got this ticket for 300 bucks from a scalper. You know, not bad, it's right up there. And he sort of sat behind. It's like, we'll go to do this after, get some ribs, whatever, trying
0: to catch up. The game resumes. So the Celtics were, were like were smashing it as well. They're like absolutely all over uh, Utah Jazz. And then... Like I said, game resumes and then...
1: It's Lewis Scott starts to heat up and he's just hitting everything. As it's going on and on and on, they start thinking, well, what has changed since the first half? And they look back and there's Chris McCarthy, to which Jimmy is actually the one that stands up and says, I think you should go, Chris.
0: It's like, you've got to go, mate. And he's just
1: like, (laughs) what? And then... Mike sort of stands up and is like, the Celtics were up by 18 before the half, now they're only up by two or something like that. And then it cuts back to Lewis Scott scoring and he's like, you happy now? And then everybody just joins in and starts throwing things at him and popcorn and and whatever to the point that he leaves. And they're like, the virus has been destroyed. (laughs) And then the game continues, but Lewis Scott is still going, still pushing forward and, and scoring. And then they start doing all these desperate things, like trying to change all of the seats, everyone changing. And then my favourite little bit in here is when Mike, Daniel Stern's character, just has the old woman in like a headlock like their hopes of a championship before the Boston Garden is pulled down. Gone. As a non basketball person, how did you find the basketball sequences? Like, do you enjoy watching it in films and
0: yeah oh yeah definitely Um, I re- I really liked it I liked all of it I thought it's, it's really well put together actually when you watch it because it's, it's like they're playing properly so that sort of thing is probably very well planned out and almost choreographed to go this is where this needs to go this is how this play needs to happen essentially and how we need to direct it and how we need to film it they probably cut quite a lot and changed this and changed that but yeah I quite like watching it it's, it's a very fast-paced game isn't it it's is very end to end, and they showed that really well. And my, like I said, my knowledge of basketball is very limited, but I know that it's super fast paced and very end to end and incredibly competitive. And I I enjoyed the scenes that were basketball related probably more than the rest. I quite like them being in the stadium and like shouting at the players and but but watching the basketball was actually This would have
1: been one of the first incidences of me coming into contact with basketball in a film. And I always remember thinking it was so cool. I actually much preferred the Utah Jazz over the Celtics because I loved the the colours and the jerseys and I just thought it was a lot cooler.
0: Even though green was your favourite colour?
1: I know. (laughs) I know. I I actually had a Celtics hat um, when I was a kid, again, in reference to this film. But uh yeah I liked the the purple. So then it gets to the end of the game and the Celtics so lost so we're going to game 7. Everyone has left the stadium and it's just Mike and Jimmy sat there.
0: Do they lose by one? One point.
1: They do lose by one point and this is where Mike and Jimmy are in the empty stadium and they're just basically hating life. He wishes he was a boat person. <laughs> Or Jimmy gets a call, clarity Plumbing, and pulls up his like massive aerial on his uh, mobile phone, and it's two of their friends that are twins that are bar keeping at the Roxy at this club, and they said, "You never guess who's just come in? It's Lewis Scott, and he's dancing." Jimmy tells Mike, and he's like, "He's rubbing it in our face." He said, "He's dancing. He's dancing." <laughs> And so they decide they want to go because Jimmy wants to look him in the eye. So they go to the club. Jimmy's wearing some someone's sports jacket, yeah. which is like, you know, because he collects memorabilia and all that sort of stuff. Don't get any cranberry on it. And then they can see Lewis Scott dancing on the dance floor. Jimmy says he just wants to look him in the eye because this is the guy who's going to take my championship away from me. Because That's the way that they see it. And then we have the great moment on the dance floor where he just gets up in his face and does, like, the crazy eyes.
0: And it comes back to that afterwards as well, because when Mike eventually talks to him, he's like, hey, I don't need the guy for the dance
1: floor. Well, that's what they do. They decide that they could get him wasted, like, so hungover and wasted that he wouldn't be able to play well in the next game, which is actually a a pretty good idea. (laughs) (laughs) As in, you know, it's not, like, kidnapping at this point. They say they'll go over and tell him, they're his biggest fans. These guys love hearing that. So as they go over, as you just said, Lewis is like, a, oh, you're the, you're the dude from the dance floor. And then someone, a drunk Boston Celtics fan comes over and starts... Kicking off him. Kick yeah, yeah, Lewis. They start having drinks. And then Larry Bird comes over. Were you familiar with Larry Bird before this?
0: No. So, Should I have been? Well,
1: he's like NBA legend. Like... In the same sort of school as Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson, etc.
0: From the film, I, you can work that out and you get that sense. Because you know that he's a professional player and that he's been included in the film. And like he calls him old-timer. think when he appears, he's like, oh, hey, old-timer or something like that. Or, what are you doing here, old-timer? Um, that's Lewis Scott that says that. And, yeah, I, I wasn't really aware or familiar with, with who he was
1: he's actually in Space Jam he's playing golf with Michael Jordan when Michael Jordan gets like sucked into the hole nice but he has also spent most of his career I don't know if it was all of his career but he's famously known as a Celtics player as well so it's not just that he's like this amazing legend but he's also a Celtics legend and they sort of get all um, starstruck etc and then he leaves and basically saying fans like these, you
0: have them. And then Lewis is like, yeah, he sucks. <laughs> yeah, Lewis basically shoots him down, doesn't he? But it hurts them because they love him. Exactly. They so love like... him so much and, and they feel like they've really let him down as well because they're pretending to be massive fans of Lewis Scott. Larry Bird basically calls them like traitors, as not glory hunters because you only support like the team that's winning at the time and it's pathetic and I hate fans like you and exactly like you said and he sort of storms off uh, in a bit of a rage and uh, yeah he gets sort of mugged off by lewis scott which goes to show that that arrogance a little bit more and like yeah he's rubbish i'm much better sort of
1: thing and then we sort of get this montage of them drinking but them really getting along with him yeah and i think this is sort of foreshadowing that even though they don't like him because he's you know on the opposite team they actually naturally have quite good rhythm and- And vibe, and then we get you know silliness where they have like the massive drink that's like a bucket, and (laughs) Jimmy's putting an actual umbrella into it, and then they're doing invent a drink. So then they're getting wasted. They try to take him back, try to take him to an after hours place. It kind of shuts off for the night. They kind of black out. The next thing we know, they wake up and there's Lewis Scott duct tape in Jimmy's bed. Yeah,
0: with Jimmy in it as well. I know. Mike in it Mike in it sorry yeah and Jimmy's house is just full of memorabilia (laughs) which I thought was brilliant because it's like a tiny apartment with probably two rooms I it was like two bedrooms and all this memorabilia from all sports as well so you can see everything like from American football to basketball and so on on. there's loads of stuff Um, which shows just like how massive sporting fans they are not just one particular team and he wakes up, finds him under the covers with him, sort of like topping and tailing, aren't they? And he realises that he's then basically duct taped his hands together. And he's like, why is he duct taped? And they don't even know why he's there, what, what happened, why he's duct taped. And gets to the realisation that, oh, our little plan last night of getting him absolutely smashed and wasted is, is now happening and is almost becoming
1: kidnapped he lets out the perfect daniel stern scream he is the master of screaming and shouting he's the best his voice is like made for it they decide well before that you know they'll sort of get him out or whatever that they would need to take pictures of him with celtics jerseys on and celtics hats and, and all of these things and then they try to take him out and then they're just gonna like leave him on the street And as they're doing it, he starts coming to... Waking up, and he knows their names. And they kind of, like, drop him. And then a fight ensues. And then Jimmy sort of of runs away. We're not sure where he's going. And then he comes back with, like, a gun. Like a hunting gun. And they manage to get Lewis back into the apartment. And then this is where they're trying to work out what they're going to do. They just need a bit of time to think. And then Mike sort of orders Jimmy to get some breakfast and then it sort of switches round and then Mike leaves and this is where Lewis starts sort of playing mind games on Jimmy
0: yeah you are owned by Mike Mike tells you to do it you're going to do it you you know you don't even ask questions you just obey and he really starts playing like mind games with him doesn't he getting into his psyche and I'm going to control you now by making you think that your mate isn't really your mate (laughs) And and it works He's, he really starts to think... Well, he almost convinces him to commit suicide. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. That was a bit dark. Why don't
1: you just make the pain go away?
0: <laughs> and he's sort of like... He's almost like, starting he, like, to turn and... the gun, yeah. <laughs> it's like,
1: okay, yeah, they took it a bit far by kidnapping you, but I don't think you need, you know, to convince the guy to kill himself... <laughs> But this is sort of uh, this is running parallel to while Mike is is gone out to to get food and whatever, to meeting up with the police officer Kevin, gone to meet up with someone that's had their Porsche stolen. The guy's like, "Officer, officer, I'm the guy that had his car stolen." Okay, you just way over there. You go over there, yeah. He's like, "Are you serious?" Mike is saying hypothetically, "We're saying Lewis Scott is killing us. It would be great if someone grabbed him. This, that, and the other." blah 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 I'm basically trying to feel out whether his, how much
0: trouble they're in and the police officer kind of jokes along and says oh it'd still be a felony but you know considering who he plays for and he's going to be playing against our Celtics then i you know there's not going to be a massive issue sort of thing
1: yeah just keep keep him till after Sunday because Mike is saying say if you grabbed him and then let him go tomorrow or let him go now and it's like kidnapping's is kidnapping got him for a day or three days or whatever so Mike is saying well, so you're saying you would hold on to him till after the game and then let him go it's basically like, as a law officer that has to uphold the law then no, but as a Celtics fan yes, <coughs> and then he's saying I have no reason to be worried do I? Like, no, you're losing it man blah 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 blah, blah. <coughs> then the guy comes back over saying what about my car? you know I'm sure you guys have a lot to talk about what about my car man and he's like well I'm sure without that car you've got no chance of getting any ladies or something like that isn't it that
0: was a great line I think that's what really made me like the, the police officer again because he turns around and says pretty much exactly that oh yeah okay fine. We'll find your Porsche because without it you're, you're not ever gonna get laid and I, I thought that was that was actually quite funny because it just sort of came out of nowhere as well um, which I, I, I enjoyed that part thought very funny So that he's then, Mike's then immediately terrified that, okay, we have actually kidnapped this guy and we're going to have to sort of face some sort of consequence at some point. So Mike comes back. And then Jimmy gets up and he's all sort of worked up because uh, Lewis Scott's put so much in his head about how Mike just controls him and makes him his, like, bitch, basically, that Jimmy then smacks him in the face. (laughs) It's like, oh, wow. A bit like out of pure frustration and anger. That all this stuff that Lewis has been saying to him that's really affected him.
1: And Lewis basically says, shouldn't leave Jimmy all alone, Mike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's vulnerable.
1: <laughs> so then it moves forward to Jimmy and Mike talking in, sort of in the other room, or sort of across from Lewis, and they're coming up with a plan with, well, look, we let him go now, our lives go down in flames. If we hold on to him, the Celtics win the championship, our lives still go down in flames, but at least with. Done something for our Celtics. It's worth going to prison to see our team win. Exactly. <laughs> and then Lewis says, Well, there'll always be an asterisk next to it in the record book. Who would want to be an asterisk? And then Jimmy, very like proudly and boldly, is I would very much like to be one. <laughs> it's even like awkward in the line delivery. I love it.
0: One, one of my favourite lines is is was in this bit, and it's what uh, Lewis Scott says to Mike where they're talking about Mike's getting a bit self-right, self-righteous, isn't he? And saying this and that and he's he's getting all up on his high horse. And Lewis Scott shoots him down and says, you're, you're, let me guess, you were like high school captain and you won this and won that. And he's like, yeah, so, well, you just basically you've done all that. And you're now this failure. And Mike goes, you've got it so wrong and turns around, almost like looks at the camera and is like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because the upset. I, that's the bit that actually made me laugh out loud that was the, the first time in the film I thought that's actually really funny and it shows that
1: Lewis is an intelligent character They sort of pinned him out and, and worked him out yeah then we're getting shots of Jimmy and Mike playing like foosball well, it's not foosball it's like an American football version of it and then even that they're like so into and like shouting at etc and then this is where Carol, Mike's wife, knocks on the door. And son. And son.
0: We'd missed out the bit with the son earlier. Yes, please. Like, me and your mum are, sp- are splitting up, son. I'll see you around. And the son's just kind of standing outside his car and he just drives off. There's <laughs> like, absolutely no love or interest in, in his son at all because all he cares about is his basketball team. It's fantastic. It is, yeah. That bit I really liked as well, actually. What we just like to remind uh, everyone who's listening is that we sometimes... Forget things, miss out. You know, we're not we're not perfect, so we will always go back or say you know when we think we've jumped ahead or jumped back. So that was definitely a massive jump back moment, but <laughs> these things happen.
1: We're back in the apartment, knock on the door, and it's Carol and Tommy, and they've brought Mike the rest of his stuff. Jimmy takes Lewis into like a back room, and There's
0: this, this weird little like shutter blind, some sort of curtain pulls or, or something, clock, yeah, or cross, isn't it, yeah.
1: And while that's happening, Mike is trying to sort of talk his way out of... Well, sort of trying to save his marriage, but also just trying to get Carol and Tommy out of there. And it's sort of going well. They're saying, let's make an appointment with the therapist, so on and so forth. Carol hears a noise in the other room and then assumes that he's got another woman in there. And he's like, nope, that's just Jimmy whipping up a bunt cake. <laughs> and Carol goes in, pulls the curtain back. And, and she pulls it back there's Jimmy just holding a gun to <laughs> Lewis's head
0: like this is perfectly normal <laughs> and
1: then Tommy his, the kid is basically oh my god you're Lewis Scott and then Carol is, who's Lewis Scott Lewis starts trying to say something but it's duct tape over the mouth mm-hmm. this is probably my favourite line where Jimmy's like he says thank you very much for the compliment <laughs> And i got to be going right now, and uh, good afternoon. But <laughs> like, please leave now. <laughs> Carol leaves and says, I'm calling the cops, and then I'm divorcing you. And as she leaves, slams the door. It is up in the stakes a little bit, in terms that more people know that but this has happened. Yeah, there's
0: extra people that are aware that he's in there, and he's basically now by gunpoint at gunpoint sorry he's in trouble then they are sort of sat down
1: in the living room and i think this is the the scene that you were talking about where they're talking about money and mike says why do you do all these commercials and lewis basically signals you know it's for the money and he's like you don't do it for the money i think you do it because if and then he says well look i'll flip through every tv station on the satellite box And if I don't see one of your commercials, then I'll let you go. And then that sort of ensues into the bet and they're flipping through the channels and eventually it falls on to the Oscar Mayer Wiener commercial. We did forget, talking about jumping around back and forth, that Jimmy is sort of blacked out drunk before he's sort of coming to. He has a dream about him doing his own Nike commercial. Oh, yeah. But he's just like plunging a toilet. (laughs) I think the next part we get to is Lewis asking to go to the bathroom, they let him and then the landlord is knocking on the door, asking for the rent, comes in and then Mike pays for the rent and as they're sort of distracted by this Lewis breaks out of his uh, restraints or whatever and then just runs out of the bathroom and says and this is the first time I actually caught it recently it was says, thank you for the tality. Now, I really gotta go and just runs. And he's like, I can't believe I saw it. it's Lewis Scott. And as he runs out into the street, they then follow him and start chasing him.
0: <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm so tired. I'm really struggling to sort of like talk. Still, so I'm like fighting through it. I'm not, I don't want to let go. I'm really trying to like desperately think of content and things to say and points to bring up. Like things that are in my head the whole time on the way, even on the way here. And now I'm like, I'm like the flock brain is melting we are like got like a
1: third left <laughs> <laughs> all Right, I'm just going to have to involve you more so I'm... then they start chasing him
0: don't they Don? they do They're, it's a pretty good chase actually I quite enjoyed tell me about it so all the, uh, the they start running up the hill don't they so they live on a hill and Lewis got being a like, super athlete just actually legs it up this hill Uh, there's not a little fight before that is there no no so he's running up this hill (laughs) Louis Scott is running up the hill and they give chase they see what way he's going and they give chase and they're trying to run up the hill after about two probably seconds but like maybe like 30 seconds to a minute they are knackered because they're obviously not in shape uh, and they're not built to run up hills like that like as much as Louis Scott is So they are like, oh, I've got another plan. But Mike just goes, okay, you keep going, and leaves Dan Aykroyd, who's like probably a bit overweight compared to him, to keep chasing him. And he's literally running across Boston um, (laughs) to try and catch (laughs) him. (laughs) Um, And then the police officer's involved as well. So Kevin's around as well, sees that he's running away. And he's going, officer, officer, officer. um, Lewis Scott's going, officer, 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 I need help. And she just ignores him. This is bizarre. <laughs> and then he realises that like Jimmy's closer, so he keeps running, and then the van, the plumbing van, pulls up. Yeah,
1: they sort of corner him, and then that's when the police officer comes in, and he just leaves him to it. They get him back in. They sort of chain him to a toilet that's in the back of Jimmy's van, and then they just said they're just going to drive around. And that's where they, they start talking about Lewis's life and the models he's been with, et cetera, et cetera. And then they go and get gas from the petrol station or petrol from the gas station or whatever, however you want to say it. And then this is where Lewis comes out and he sprays petrol on Mike's jeans. He said, we're going to have a weenie roast and he's trying to use the the Celtics lighter, but it doesn't work.
0: Jimmy's got that confidence and air about him that he knows it's not going to work. And you're like, oh, this is a bit dangerous. And he's like, no, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on this. I'm not. We're not going to let you go, because I know that that lighter hasn't worked since like 1986 or something like that. it says something like around that. Since someone was governor
1: or something. Yeah,
0: and uh, he's like, oh, okay. And then it flips, doesn't it? So they obviously like recapture him. They go back into the van. They're driving along. Uh, Mike's then complaining about the smell of the petrol and he's wet and it's a bit cold and it's all a bit horrible and wants a cigarette. So Mike then puts it as well, he hasn't got a lighter. And Jimmy just sort of hands this gold lighter over flicks it open and lights it. And it's the one that he was trying to use to light his trousers That Louis Scott was trying to light his trousers with. It was like, oh, look at that, it does work. Yeah. <laughs> I had a moment of, oh, shit. That actually could have been a, a bit of a dangerous
1: moment there. A weenie roast. Yeah, an
0: absolute weenie
1: roast. <laughs> they start talking about about how he's got a bad attitude, like Lewis has a bad attitude towards
0: playing and ragging on his teammates or whatever. But that's right, they were talking about talent. time when they saying so you've got all this talent in the world and all you do is mug everyone off um, and you treat your teammates like crap and you're not a team player at all.
1: Lewis' is rebuttal to that is, well, I have the talent, I sacrificed everything I had to get here and then Mike's like, well I would have sacrificed everything and Jimmy's like would you Mike? and he says well what do I have to give up? (laughs) and then that moves they then move into well let's have a game and they go to an outdoor court it's like 4am and this is probably my favourite part as a kid was Jimmy's commentating Good evening ladies and gentlemen I'm Bob Cousy here at La Park with the skyline of Boston, Massachusetts in behind me here at this 4 a.m. demand Brush you... oh, match, I'm a David and Goliath oh. contest between Lewis Scott, NBA All-Star, and Mike O'Hara, oh, a gym hey. teacher from Charlestown, okay. Massachusetts, with a spastic colon and a few surprises up his sleeve, Ma. Oh, God. is
0: Mike O'Hara's dream oh, dead? Well, we'll certainly see after the word from his sponsors. Hi, I'm Lewis Scott. As well as being a professional basketball player, I'm also a denture wearer. Shut up! What I love about that as well is that he's using the gun as a pretend microphone. (laughs) At any point, he could just shoot his face off. (laughs) but He just carries on like, yeah, this is normal.
1: (laughs) So they have this one-on-one match, which ends in Lewis Scott just absolutely killing and dominating Mike. Mike twists his ankle, Lewis picks up the ball, just like thumps it into Jimmy's face, gets the gun as the sun's rising like done I'm out and then Jimmy says you know are you gonna tell the police and then Lewis says so we can have a third act of this film (laughs) no I've got something worse for you you need to root for me come to the game wear something purple and if I don't win I'm gonna turn you over to the police and not only does do they have to root for him but he also has to win the championship oh we have missed so many key points We've missed every scene with the coach. And the coach is one of the best characters in the film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The coach that is in Happy Gilmore and loads of other things as Scooter McGavin. We've missed him trying to find Lewis Scott and calling up to the room. And then Lurch, who they're going to bring in as the sort of backup, who's from Croatia, who's basically like a useless player. (laughs) But the coach freaking out. Is some of the best stuff in the film. I I apologise that I have missed him out.
0: So, Coach Kimball, isn't it? Uh, he's played by Christopher McDonald. Yeah, like you said, he's in Happy Gilmore. He's in loads of stuff. I think he's in Thelma and Louise. Obviously, he's, he's just in loads of stuff. Loads and loads of stuff. But yeah, Happy Gilmore's a, a big one because that's another film that I think we've watched quite quite a few times between us. Um, you're probably more than me <laughs> but he's he's in that and he's that kind of he's a similar character in that as he is in this he plays like the on edge kind of bastard role quite well but he's he's a bit down and out in this isn't he, he's a bit like up against it just give the ball to Lewis Scott is kind of the rule of, of his coaching isn't it which I think is picked up by Jimmy and Mike, especially Mike when he's saying Guys, just easy coaching. Like, what's what's your problem? This is how how you need to do it. And he's just kind of like a backseat coach, isn't he? But over this guy, and um, he goes nuts, doesn't he? And he loses it because um, Mike's insulting him this is on the yeah. and he, he goes for him, like literally, like starts to try and jump into the ground, and like everyone's pulling him back and away, and he's like, "Yo, come for me, come for me."
1: <laughs> we follow Mike that goes for Sunday dinner with his family, and. He's basically assuming he's going to go to jail, so he's trying to sort of smooth things over. We then get to... In doing... that
0: scene, there's a point where he has a f- his foot on a ball. He's, like, resting his foot on a ball. And uh, I read somewhere that as like, a little continuity error. He walks in the house and he's hobbling when he gets to his, his ex's house or his, like, his wife that they're going for a breakup or whatever. He's hobbling in. He's really struggling to get around. And then all of a sudden he's got his foot resting on this ball. And it's the same foot that he twisted the ankle up And everyone's like, he shouldn't be able to do that. Because he's, you know, he's, he's at his ankle. So that's obviously just a little mistake in the film. Where...
1: I mean, this is not the film to be trying to pull holes in. Like, <laughs> you know, this is a... Uh... And then Jimmy's doing the same with, like, his grandma saying, I'm going to have to go to prison and be some bad man's boyfriend. And then we move to the game and they're wearing purple and then they have to come up with
0: these excuses to their friends in the crowd as to why they're rooting for the Jazz. So we're the bad luck charm for the Celtics when we wear the green and the Celtics kit. But when we put the Jazz kit on, we're going to be the bad luck charm for them. So there's no way they're going to win. Which is a good good way to spin it great rationale
1: and because they're so sort of obsessive and crazy and doing this sort of stuff it's almost like believable to everyone around them
0: well it's almost surprising that the rest of the crowd around them then disappear get purple shirts and then reappear yeah Uh,
1: before that as they reveal the jerseys before they explain the reasoning I love it that Susie the hot dog girl just slaps him round the face
0: (laughs) she's not toasting any buns for him anymore (laughs) no bun toasting
1: (laughs) so then Lewis comes in and then sees them wearing purple and coach Kimball benches him straight away and then this is where Mike's like
0: Kimball, hey let's go, what are you doing, put him messing in, messing with me huh, well I'll show you Kimball, you're blowing it, you don't like it do you, don't feel good does it Lewis, The a little payback for you Kimball, don't be an idiot, put the best shooter in the game, shut guy. up You shut up! You Shut up to both of you! I'm sick of it! Just shut up! Shut up! Stop it long enough. Now get in there! Let's win this one! Let's go! Let's go!
1: And then the game begins, but because he's not rested, so on and so forth, the game's going poorly, the Celtics are winning and then Mike and Jimmy are sort of conflicted as to should they be rooting for the Celtics or the Jazz and then it basically gets to like half time doesn't it and it's still the Celtics are still winning
0: for them it's Celtics win and they're super happy or and prison or the Jazz win and they don't go to prison so they kind of, they want both and they can't really decide. They're very conflicted as to to which they want to choose.
1: But then, as just like a half-time breather, and just thrown in the film, Jimmy wins like the seat lottery and gets to take a half-time shot for $100,000. <laughs> to which he then walks down in the shortest shorts, but very short shorts, he has to do it in the jazz uniform. He gets booed as he's coming out. And then he makes a shot. They win 100 grand. And he says a hundred grand will buy a pretty good lawyer, cuts to them in the bathroom peeing <laughs> half time of everyone else, and, and then just cuts back to the second half. And at the same time, Carol and Tommy are like watching from home and she's getting very animated and sort of shouting at the TV and she's like becoming an obsessed fan because she doesn't want Mike yeah. to go to jail.
0: And she's got that knowledge as well, because she's talking about she talks about things in the like in that scene. Um that means that she does kind of pay attention, she does listen to all the sporting stuff that he, that Mike would talk about and stuff. So it, it does go in and she gets, starts getting a bit passionate about it. But you, you get the sense it's not just because she doesn't want him to go to prison, it's because she's actually enjoying the game.
1: <laughs> exactly. And then the stakes get risen once again, where Kevin, the police officer, comes over to Mike and Jimmy at the game <laughs> And says that he thinks that he's got a tip, you know, from previous... And he knows that the Celtics are going to win... And says that he's had 20,000 t-shirts made up... That basically print saying that the Celtics are the champions... So that they can sell him at the game, I'm assuming, or whatever... To make some money... To which Mike and Jimmy says, well, you know, he got away... And Kevin's like, no way... Well, basically, now if the Celtics lose you know, we're going to have a problem. So now they've got problems either way. I it was actually a nice way to tie the police officer back in
0: to the story? I think it is a really nice way of tying it back in because he sort of disappears for a little while. They they discuss the the kidnapping and he's not really relevant for a little while and then he comes back and he's like, hey, you know, you guys have committed this crime and I know about it. I'm going to make a ton of money out of it and try and do my best to profit out of it. And then they kind of go... Uh, well he got away and is now basically blackmailing us so we have to wear purple support him throughout the entire game so that their team wins and he won't press charges and now he's down turned around and gone well if that happens I've got all these t-shirts that are completely worthless I'm gonna I'm coming for you I'm coming for you (laughs) (laughs) wait that Can't understand. You're laughing at me. Why talking in another language? I thought I was doing okay. <laughs> Just,
1: I don't think I've ever seen. There's <laughs> a look in your eye. You're like trying to, like, stay awake so much. You don't. You look like a different person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you look oh. like someone else. I'm honestly so tired. I thought it was quite articulate. Yeah, no, it he was just starting laughing at me because I look like some sort of crazed lunatic that hasn't slept. <sighs> so then we get to
1: a really poignant part of the film. Daniel Stern, with perfect delivery in his voice, which I love, says, Hey, Scott, I said, listen to me. Everyone and your brother knows you're going to shoot the damn ball. Surprise them. Pass it. You are not taking me down with you.
0: (laughs) Scott! I said listen to me. I will not be ignored. Everybody and their brother knows you're going to shoot the goddamn ball. Surprise them. Pass it. You are not taking me down with you.
1: That's probably one of my favourite bits. And then... But you see... Lewis sort of look up and register it and then the music kicks up and then he gets the, bo- <speaking in> the <background> and then... <speaking in> the <background> He's dribbling, passes over, and it clips. <laughs> <laughs> it hits the guy with the face guard. What's his name? Like Picard or something. <laughs> Clifford. No, Clifford. Clifford? <laughs> <laughs> he throws it, and he's not expecting the pass. But well, what's really concerning is he's not even looking. <laughs>
0: yeah, He's completely in the wrong direction.
1: And it hits him in the, in the face because then the commentator's like, the only Lewis Scott passed the ball, the only person not expecting that as much was Picard, who took a nasty clip to the ear. It's definitely not Picard.
0: No, it can't be. I'll find out.
1: What's this Lewis Scott passes the ball The only man more surprised than me Was Shepard who took a nasty cut to the ear Maybe next
0: time you wear an ear guard as well Barb.
1: His name's Shepard Shepherd. Truffle. So it's not quite Picard Or Truffle Truffle
0: He said Truffle I thought
1: I heard you say Truffle <laughs> <laughs> Lewis passed you in the ball <laughs> Lewis starts playing really well and then <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> he's doing really well scoring scoring bam 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 connecting with the team they're like calling timeouts and Kimball everyone's connecting and they're playing really good basketball Mike and Jimmy are still conflicted and then finally <laughs> Jimmy says I don't know who to root for Mike
0: I don't know what's happening
1: and they... <laughs> then Mike says
0: root for Utah because <laughs> they don't want to go to jail they don't want to go to jail that I think it's absolutely the right thing to do root for Utah <laughs> right I would root for Utah I would root for Utah all day long I'm not going to prison no way I, I think Jimmy is although he's conflicted he knows that's the right thing to do
1: it's getting closer and closer and there's like one or two baskets in it. And then Jimmy just starts going a bit crazy, covering his ears and sort of singing to himself Jimmy! Play that funky music oh, white Jimmy! Jimmy!
0: that funky Music now That's by Wild Cherry and that song comes up like a few times throughout the film. So it's on in the club and then it's it's played again somewhere else and then obviously he then he starts singing it. But he's like proper lost it, hasn't he? He's like fingers in ears and he's almost like rocking and just looks crazy. he's got the crazy eyes again.
1: I think something like happens like Lewis scores or something or the Celtics score. Jimmy pulls his hat, his fingers out of his ears,
0: it's like Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. <laughs> Which actually when that when that scene came up, I completely forgot about that forever. Until that came up, because I remember you used to do that. A lot. A lot. And I didn't know what, what it was. So I obviously know that and obviously know who Shaka Khan is now, but when I was however old we were when this came out, so Nine. Nine? Yeah, it would have been nine. I had no idea who Shaka Khan was. No. I didn't even know. I thought it was just... I thought it was you just saying noises, basically. Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. <laughs> shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. But I, I remember... I, as soon as I saw that, I remembered really vividly you doing that. And I thought, oh my God, that's that's it. That's where it's from. I had completely forgotten. Great little memory. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: then get to the final play there's 7.5 seconds left on the clock and utah are down by one point jimmy and mike go over a little bit of exposition one more time just so you remember what the stakes are and here we go we want utah to win the coach pulls out the clipboard and says okay we've got good energy here take it up it's good energy <coughs> it's what we're going to do and then just sort of goes into doing this over-complicated play. Oh, it's
0: fantastic. You're going to go here, and you're going to pass there, and go you're then going to go there, and pass here, and pass here, and pass there, and go there, and he's like, does everyone understand? And turns the board around. It just scribbles all over it, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. I really like that bit as well. I, I kind of said that this film didn't make me laugh out loud, but the, all these little bits, like you were saying earlier, um, are all really, really funny. So, like, the Shaka Khan, Shaka Kana, I, I, that was funny just on its own, but... I was had the memory linked with it and then the clipboard bit where he's just scribbling this play down and I, I really like that bit as well and just loads of like little one liners throughout the whole film that have been you know really good really good comedy moments
1: well, it's actually it's kind of it's just like a comfort film like there's a lot of films in this bracket that I really love and they don't they don't make me laugh out loud I'm pretty confident no Adam Sandler movie has ever made me laugh out loud but I love them because mm. they're comforting to me like all of his films pretty much bar a couple i love them all what's the couple wedding singer the one oh i love <laughs> the wedding singer that's a great film <laughs> some of like jack and jill and some of these no. other ones i actually haven't even watched so maybe i shouldn't comment on that the final part so as you said the coach was on the clipboard and then lewis says "It's money in the bank they go in It's super tense, but he does it. Lewis scores the final basket. Well, he actually doesn't score the final basket. He passes the ball, which is, again, his new change. which made him a better player, which made the team better. To Lurch from Croatia, he gets his moment, gets the layup, and there we go, Utah win. Somehow, Jimmy and Mike are able to get onto the court.
0: Oh, well, I was going to discuss this as well, because I thought you can't even get anywhere near a football pitch without 40 stewards chasing you. But they don't have that there, do they? It's just like no one really paying any attention or watching.
1: Yeah. They just sort of managed to get onto the court in no the does. NBA finals. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just like, hey, just next to all the players. That's it. Job done.
1: Yeah, no security. But then they get to Lewis and then there's this moment of is Lewis still going to dime the in? He goes serious face. Kevin, the police officer, comes over and Basically, says, I have reason to believe that these men perpetrated a crime against you. What is your relationship to them? Which is the perfect setup for Lewis to say,
0: <laughs> No, they're my friends.
1: And then he start doing the, you know, like the chest bumping. And then a line that, so for preparation for this podcast, I listened to this while Celtic Pride while walking my dog twice. And then watched it once, three times. And the, this was the first time I ever registered this next line. First time I registered it, processed it. And I still don't know how I feel about it. Oh, Jimmy then says to Lewis, I'm so sorry about the abduction. I've never done that to another guy. Oh, wow. To which then Mike and Lewis both look at him like, what? And then that's it. That's the last line of the movie. Well, or oh, until we get to it. Sorry, the, the last scene. And then Kimball comes over and is like, Lewis, and they, they hug. Well, do you, I mean, it's just a, I know it's a throwaway joke, but did, would, did you ever register that? Did you register it when you watched it just now? N- or recently for the podcast? No.
0: I hadn't, I hadn't noticed it. It said that. I, I was,
1: I, that's the sort of line that would not be in a film
0: today. Had I noticed that, I think that would have floored me. I'm sorry about the abduction. I've never done that to another guy. <laughs> what's
1: a quite what's a quite a nice moment there is then the T-shirts that the police officer, Kevin, was trying to bribe them with just get thrown in the air <laughs> as in like, because the jazz won. And then we move into the final scene barring the post-credit scene, which... I always love this scene um, but I'll be interesting to hear what you thought for just to set it up. Jimmy and Mike, you can tell time has moved on. Obviously they're wearing different clothes. They've got hats on backwards and whatever and it's sort of NFL football stuff and they're sort of sneaking through a hotel room and Mike's saying him and Carol have been getting along so so well lately. I can't have a repeat of what happened and then Jimmy is convincing Mike like, no, we will never interfere with an NBA Finals ever again. But this is different. And then Mike's like, you're right. This is different. This is football season. <laughs> and then they come around the corner and there's Deion Sanders. He's obviously some big uh, NFL, American football
0: star player. He actually gets a special mention in the credits. But none of the others do.
1: Oh, like Larry Bird. And- yeah.
0: I didn't, I didn't see that he actually got one, but he did. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You're right. This is different. This is football season. Yeah. Uh-huh. What's going on? Well, hello there, Mr. Dion Sanders. It's your 3 a.m. wake up call. I'm calling security. Your autograph house is completely out of control. Oh, we don't want your autograph. No.
1: What do you want? <laughs> Play that funky music, White Boy again is in the movie, and this time it's doing the credits on the outro. So that is the end of the film, and then we do get the uh, shot of the Boston Garden coming down, which you spoke about at the top of the podcast. We did. (laughs) Number one down, Celtic Pride. Let's get to our judgments. (laughs) So Dom, who for you was your best performer of the main cast?
0: I think it has to be, I think for me it has to be Daniel Stern. Mike, his character Mike, I, uh, I think he was kind of the most passionate and energetic and, it, you know, a variety of different sort of character types throughout the film. So Dan Aykroyd was very sort of similar all the way through, wasn't he? And Lewis Scott, very similar all the way through, although, you know, like we've talked about character art quite a lot, so he's a bit of a loner and a bastard but he's got all this money but he hasn't really got any friends. That's kind of how, how the film feels. Then right at the end, he's got these two like randoms that have kidnapped him. It's kind of like Stockholm Syndrome where he's like sympathizes. He's becomes the, he becomes that they become his friends and stuff like that. Dan quite never really changes; he's just that weird kind of guy I really like. But Mike, um Stern is the one who has the most. Feels like he has the most to do and the most that's going on and the most to deal with. And I actually think he was probably the best in the whole film.
1: I agree with you. It feels like he is the protagonist and it's his story. Yeah. Even though it's sort of shared main casting, I guess. I would love to say somebody else to be more interesting, but I have to agree with you. I think Daniel Stern's great in this role. I love him in pretty much everything I've seen him in. So, yeah, Daniel Stern. What about your best performer in
0: the secondary cast? It's got to be... I just thought some of the bits that he had, some of the lines he had were brilliant. So, like, like, you were talking about going investigating the stolen car earlier on and he just pays absolutely zero attention to the guy and he says, oh, okay, right, let's look into where your Porsche is, cause this is the only way you're going to get laid in the next, like, however long. So, yeah, I just, like, all the lines that he had were really good. I quite liked him. And in some ways he actually becomes one of the antagonists. Yeah, he then sort of really turns on them. So he's been a friend of theirs, joins them at, at the bar and he sits there drinking with them and clocks off to go and spend time with them, and then all of a sudden right at the end that's it. you guys have done me out of money because I bought 20,000 t-shirts that are completely worthless so I'm, I'm coming for you now. What about you? Who is your favourite of the secondary cast?
1: I would say Coach Kimball as he just brings a lot of comedy moments and I have previously been a basketball coach and not to say that I can feel the same pressures or same stresses but it can be very stressful just sort of trying to organise people. Yeah, I would say Coach Kimball is really funny. I like his sort of stressy moments and he has a good arc as well. Yeah. What was your favourite scene?
0: I do like the bit where they're at the petrol station. I'm like, that's quite funny. But I think when the gun goes off, he does it, uh, When when We didn't really talk about it enough. When Lewis Scott is tied up in the apartment he says you're never going to shoot me you wouldn't do that and he fires the gun at a base, and it hits the old the, his baseball that's got an old signature on it and stuff like that and it all becomes a bit tense at that point I actually quite like that because it's just like oh, don't mess with me and he fires it and Lewis Scott is just like immediately like okay I'm going to shut up now I'll do what I told sort of thing because I, I, you will shoot me because you're a lunatic but the last scene as well when they're friends and they're jumping around and um, he says, you know, oh, the Celtics are going to be next year. So I think that's quite a good, good moment as well. What's uh, have you got a particular favorite, particular highlight of the film? Because you know, you know the film very well. So is there like you've talked about lines that you really like? Is there one specific line that's your favorite? Or
1: <laughs> I think my favorite bit is when Mike is shouting to Lewis and saying about you yeah, know everyone and your brother knows that you're going to shoot the damn ball, surprise them, pass it. Like, I think. That's probably my favourite bit. And then that whole bit where sort of Jimmy's having a meltdown. I love that sort of section. The music is brilliant. It's not even up for discussion.
0: (laughs) I would agree with you there. Themes and
1: underlying takeaway points. I guess we could agree that, well, Lewis becoming a more gracious and unselfish player... Ultimately, makes him better and he gets to win. He wins the championship from changing his style of play. and I don't know what Mike and Jimmy particularly learn. They don't really Look, arc, do they? Because they you, go back you can,
0: to you can get away with kidnap, is it? <laughs>
1: and Jimmy's done it before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think, like, themes throughout the film in general, you have sort of a change in attitude, haven't you? It's, it's quite a big one. So Lewis Scott in particular, so he's gone from that. I've worked my entire life for this. This is what I really want. I want to be rich and famous, but then have no friends or anyone close that's you know actually cares for me. To then actually, I'm getting to a point where being having that sort of more personal bond is a bit more interesting now, rather than going for fortune and fame. I'm going to go for being a team player and having friends um, and have people like me which is, you know, I think is actually quite a big change in the film and quite a nice theme. In terms of the rest of them, I think, yeah, there's there's not a massive amount of change. Although, the the change of obsession, so there's like a, the, the amount of obsession that, that's within the film in terms of sports teams is obviously massively obsessed with the Celtics, and then we get to the end of that season, and they're obsessed with something else, and obviously he was obsessed with the, the Bruins at the beginning of the game, and there's, there's always that obsession and for Mike it changes so it's like his priorities and what he cares about and what he's focusing on changes quite a lot so absolutely zero interest in his family zero interest in in, in his kid at all you know to the point where he's just like yeah yeah see you later and drives off when he's like splitting up from his wife to later on trying to make amends and then right at the end of the film saying oh we're really working things out we can't can't go too crazy because you know I don't want to get in the same sort of trouble because we're actually really trying to sort our lives out. So he has got a bit of a change there, but it's more about his obsession. Jimmy is just the same. I think it all the way through. He doesn't ever really change. Would you recommend this movie to somebody? Do you know what? I'm not sure I would. As a, if someone said to me, "Oh, we got a film like Watch that I've not seen before," I don't think Celtic Pride. Would be the first thing I would think of and go, you re- you need to watch that. But you know, it's it's not a terrible film, I think. But I I probably wouldn't know. What do I? What about you? I mean, as someone who loves the film, is this an immediate yes? Of course I will. Or
1: probably not actually, because I I am grounded in knowing that you know it's it's an amazing film to me because I like it for nostalgia and subjectively, but that it you know doesn't probably wouldn't translate in that way. To someone watching it with zero context to it, I would recommend it to people that are into basketball because they, you know, enjoy the basketball scenes and enjoy, like we said, some of the connections to him being like sort of like a, a spoof or whatever of Michael Jordan. So yeah, I wouldn't in those scenarios.
0: And it's real teams, it's real players that are in that pop up, which is good as well. So anyone who's like a fan of that kind of side of basketball and just likes seeing that sort of film that's probably quite quite good
1: need from you now your two ratings your subjective rating and your objective movie rating so subjectively nostalgia etc etc what would you rate
0: it out of 10 see from a nostalgia point of view the only things that really hit home is i remember watching it at least once at yours and i remember the chakkan check on check on um so i think it's probably a on that it's probably a six out of ten what about you i'm i'm thinking you're going really high with this so like yes yeah, so eight, eight nine i'm f- thinking yeah for nostalgia it'd
1: probably be yeah like an eight or nine because it's like one of my sort of go-tos but objectively i'd probably give it like a six Ooh, okay Like I, I understand
0: i'm not crazy
1: <laughs> okay. What do you think, objectively?
0: So I, I gave it a six based on not for this a lot, like on the last one for kind of the personal connection to it and kind of what it means to us as like friends and knowing each other for such a long time. But I, I'm gonna have to be really honest with this one. And probably I think my answer is three. Whoa, I, a, I thought you were going to say four, and like, even four I was going to be like, whoa, yeah, a three. Sort of well under what IMDb has rated it. Wow. I just, I just think it's it's probably a three. Can you give us a benchmark here? Like, what's like a, what's a five? Smart House was five. Wow, so you rate Smart House over this? Smart House had meaning and purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, like, it's not to, it's not to thing is, I I think of the characters, the the actors that are in it, so fondly in other films. So I think about Dan Ockroyd, Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters and um, Damon Wayne's and like even stuff in the TV shows in *The Wife and Kids* and stuff like that. And I, I think about how, and obviously *Home Alone* and and all of that. And I think about how those characters came across in those films, and what elements of those characters they've taken from those films and brought into this one. And uh, I just think they probably could have done it a bit better. You know, not massively, because actually it's still, you know, the guy the, the guys that wrote it know what they're doing. They've, they've written so many comedy films, they've produced so many comedy films, directed them, you know, so for me to turn around and say to them, well, this isn't funny, uh, that'd be wrong, because I did find quite a bit of it funny. I just think it's more to do with the people that were in it. I think if you had a completely sort of, maybe not a completely unknown cast, but a cast that aren't as, well known as them it may have worked better for me i know there's probably going to be a lot of people that go what is this guy talking about this this is just mental you know these big names it it makes it work but i think you know i i will always associate them with the their massive roles that they've played and i think it's hard to disassociate them with that and you've got when, like, when we were talking about Stephen Private Ryan last week you might have turned around to me if I'd said the similar thing you might have turned around to me and said well Tom Hanks is in Forrest Garp he's in Green Mar this that and the other and he's like a really big character actor and he's so different but when you think Dan Aykroyd you think Ghostbusters tell me something else he's been in that isn't my girl because I've already mentioned it Dan Aykroyd um... exactly exactly my point
1: what else has, has he been
0: in? yeah exa- exactly my point I mean he's been in loads of stuff so this is exactly my point. You your... uh, was it him in the Blues Brothers? He was in the Blues Brothers. So, yes. Massive tick for that one. I love the Blues Brothers. But I still always think My of... my girl, yeah. I still always think of him in Ghostbusters because I love Ghostbusters as well. That, that's my reasoning why.
1: It's good. I don't think anyone is going to disagree with you. I'm sure most people are going to be more on your side of the coin than mine. <laughs> so,
0: so in, on to to spin that round then slightly. If you if you were recommending this film to someone, what would you say to get them to watch it
1: i think i'd just be honest and just be like i said i'd recommend it to people that are into basketball i actually i recommended it to someone on my basketball team recently like this week cuz i was watching it and he'd already seen it and he was like oh classic but he probably hadn't seen it since the 90s so it's difficult cuz you remember things with rose tinted glasses and whether they hold up or not is different and sometimes it's good to go and revisit things from your childhood because you get the nostalgia and, oh, it does hold up. And you can get double meanings from it. Like, oh, I didn't get this because, you know, I've, these are more adult jokes and whatever that lay <laughs> layered in for the parents. Yeah. And then other times you go back and watch things from your childhood and they don't hold up and you think, oh, I was just a moron as a child. <laughs> so... The final question before we get into what we will be looking at on our next episode is Dom, would you watch this again?
0: My answer is yes, but there are terms and conditions. So if you turn around and said, Tefancy coming over and we'll just chat shit for the evening and whack it on in the background, yes. If I was picking a film for me to watch i would not pick it
1: okay so so far we've done smart house saving private ryan and sell it pride are you saying that you would order them from like favorite to least so far as saving private ryan smart house Celtic pride i
0: think so yes nice okay what about you
1: i would
0: <laughs> the other way around
1: would i watch it again <laughs> yes how would i order it Subjectively, Smart House, Celtic Pride, Saving Pirate Ryan. (laughs) Objectively, Smart House, Celtic Pride, (laughs) Objectively would be, obviously, Saving Pirate Ryan. And then it's difficult, it'd be a toss-up, I guess. So, Dom, as you did the deep dive Celtic Pride, what will I be deep diving into for our next episode?
0: I had three. Uh, we, I was going to do like a massive epic that's 3 hours and 50 minutes long <laughs> and I don't think that's the right thing to do you've already given me Saving Private Brian. <laughs> then I changed it to a, a much shorter film but a lot creepier so I've, I've decided to not go with that one so what I have gone with, what I have decided to do and what you're going to have to deep dive into this week and you may or may not have seen it before, I have actually no idea if you've seen this one before I think you probably have the film I have chosen is Fight Club fan?
1: yes good I actually watched it relatively recently like maybe like two months ago or something oh like, that's good as you know i would seen it many times because of course it has meatloaf in it
0: oh yeah
1: it has which has a big connection to my family what loads to talk about then Fight Club is a great film. There's a lot to go on in there because it's based on a book, isn't it? There's a lot of trivia that goes with it. And Cool. Fight Club <laughs> it is. What year was Fight Club? Like, 98, 99? I think for my for one of my next choices, I'm going to have to go like early 90s because I think everything we've done so far has been in the second half joined. of the decade.
0: It was, it was 99.
1: 99. It's in the decade. So Fight Club it is. So Dom and I will be back Discussing Fight Club. Getting into all of that craziness. So again, we're going from comedy to serious to comedy to serious. Which is good. <laughs> because that's blending and mixing up our audience demographic. Oh, I would certainly hope so. So, Dom and I look forward to you listening to us in the future. Thank you. Please rate, review and subscribe to our podcast, anywhere you get podcasts or however you're attaining this right now. We'll see you next time. Anything else to say, Dom?
0: Thank you very much for listening. And yeah, please review. Give us a rating. Be gentle with us. Please. Take care.